Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Patrells, and I'm really excited for today's guest, uh, someone who I've been communicating with over the last few months, uh, someone who I think brings a lot of value for high school athletes, high school coaches, high school parents uh, in the world of recruiting as far as playing at that next level beyond that high school level. Um, and I couldn't think of a better person to have on here to to help guide you know people through this process. Um, was a was a player at Central Arkansas. Uh, played in the NFL for a few different teams, and we'll talk about that today. Uh, coached at a slew of different colleges. Uh, currently at the University of Houston, defensive consultant there. Uh, but wrote a book called The Recruits Playbook: A Four Year Guide to College Football Recruitment for High School Athletes. And uh, something that I, you know, I've actually ordered. I was just talking to him about, and I'm really excited to read. But you know, I think brings a lot to the table as far as you know, playing college football at that next level and what schools are looking for and things you should start thinking about maybe before you would even think about it. So um, without further ado from, you know, the University of Houston, Larry Hart. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, uh, Anthony, I appreciate that introduction, man. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. I'm fired up about it. Yeah, so this is great. So, you know, I did a lot of research on you. Really interesting guy, you know, someone who just having a phone conversation with you, I think just brings a lot of energy, really excited and passionate about what you do. And that's how I am. Yeah. So I think this would be that type of fun conversation. But I have to give you your street cred a little bit as a as a football player yourself. Um, I know you went to JUCO early on. You transferred to Central Arkansas. Yeah. You were chosen as an All-American in the Southland Conference Defensive Player of the Year, both your junior and senior year. And you were later named to that conference is all decade team for the 2000s so i gotta yeah. give you i gotta give you love there um <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you you played uh you were chosen the fifth round the nfl draft by the jacksonville jaguars 143rd overall and i pulled yes. up your draft card man you 248 ran a 46240 yard dash so pretty impressive <laughs> uh i think in my opinion uh as, yeah. as, as yeah. my backer dn type player um, and you, you actually thus at, uh, central Arkansas is the second highest uh, selection in school history of someone yeah. playing uh, in the NFL. So that was pretty cool too. Um, and you know, I, I just wanted to give you a street credit. I think it's important. Anytime you have coaches on here or people on here that, you know, they've, <laughs> if they've been there and done it. You got to give them love. Absolutely, man. I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's been a really fun journey and uh, it's a lot of, uh, you say highs, lows, and everything in between, man. It's been such a great journey and such a great learning lesson for me. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful. Like, football has done so much for me, and I'm so passionate about the game. I love the game. I mean, the camaraderie, the people, the relationships that uh, football enables you to, to have, man, it's just so unique. And I just, I just love it, man. Uh, football has created this opportunity for me to talk to you, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love it, man. Love the game. And I'm so thankful for it. But, yeah, I was real fortunate um, to, to play in the NFL, uh, to, to play junior college, to play college ball, man. Uh, just very, very grateful and thankful for my path. So, I mean, I'll ask you this. Like, you played in the NFL for, like, three or four years, right? Who's a player that you met that you were just, like, in awe of the first time you met them? You were like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just met this person for real life. Well, you know – I tell you this, you know, we're in the same conference uh, as the Colts. And at that time they had Peyton Manning. And I think, you know, I was a part of that team where we beat the Colts on the Hail Mary. Uh, oh, okay. You know, I was on that Jacksonville Jaguars team where we beat them with um, a last. No, I tell you what, we beat the Colts on the last second field goal. There's another team that we beat with a Hail Mary throw. Uh, 
uh, at the end of the game. That was the Texans, I believe, in 2010. And we beat them on that long Hail Mary throw. So I was on that team. And then we beat the Colts with, like, with the last-minute field goal. But the coolest player um, that being on the same field with at the same time was obviously Peyton Manning, man. So watching Peyton warm up with Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, um, the other receiver in the slot. I can't even think of his name now. Um, but uh, just watching those guys in pregame and how they went through their process of getting ready for the game, I thought that was super cool, man. Very yeah. moment. And so we actually played them for the division the, 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 the divisional title. And unfortunately, we lost that one. But, man, just we're in um, Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, it was for the division title towards the end of the year. I mean, some of the coolest atmosphere that uh, I, I was fortunate to be a part of. Wow, that's cool. Peyton Manning, I mean, that's cool. You're on the same field as him. You get to play with him. I mean, oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> was it was the slot receiver? Was that Stokely or Gonzalez? I think it was. Um, it was the guy that had a lot of concussions um, and had to kind of stop his career early. I still, I don't think it was. Oh, okay. I know who you're. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I feel bad, man. Um, maybe Austin something. I feel bad. I can't remember his name. Austin uh, Collie. Austin Collie. It, it may have been Austin. Yeah, Collie. yeah, It yeah. may have been Austin Collie. In the slot. <laughs> Here we go. Sure. Here we go. So obviously I think that, you know, building the background there is really important to understand that you were a football player, that you were committed to the process that you played at college and, you know, you're not playing central Arkansas isn't something that you're seeing on ESPN or ABC and so on and so forth. So when we jump into the book stuff, I I love to talk to you more about like, here's your power five schools, but then there's those conferences and a lot of division one schools outside of that, uh, that I think are really important to find. And and I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge of that, you know, kind of being a similar path, but um, you know, you, coached at a lot of different places when i did my research on you central arkansas arkansas state holmes community college central arkansas south alabama and now currently at the university of houston um, a defensive consultant just out of curiosity and this is more of a question just from my end uh what exactly is a defensive consultant i mean around here i mean i coached at the high school <laughs> level but yeah. i'm just really curious of the position it's really interesting to to kind of learn more about it yeah so typically when i left south alabama um and, you know, I felt like Houston was the best fit for me. So it is really right now the title, people would give it a consultant or an analyst, uh, one of those titles. And basically what that means is you're, you're kind of a part of the support staff. So they they let me work with the outside linebackers defensive end. But that's just kind of my title that they put online. But um, so really you're in, in an analyst or consultant role. You're a part of the support staff. So you, you're still one of the coaches, but you're not technically what they call on the field coaching. Um, so, but, you know, here at Houston, they do give me a, a good amount of responsibility working with the defensive ends, outside linebackers, kind of the same position that I played in college. Um, so it's just really what it is, man. It's, um, it's kind of an opportunity, just being honest with you. It's really an opportunity for uh, some coaches if you can't get the right fit for you then you can go be an analyst at Houston or be an analyst at Boston College or something like that. And it kind of bridges the gap to your next opportunity to, to kind of help moving up the, the coaching ladder because coaching is is really political, Anthony. And so yeah. you have to put your – depending on your goals, you have to kind of put yourself in a position to network and uh, get to know people and get connected with them to, to be able to position yourself to move up the ladder the way you want to. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you, so you're going around to different schools for you, like you said, you're kind of trying to learn maybe how different programs are ran or how, you know, a defensive scheme with the position that you coach is different. So you're kind of preparing yourself to move to that next position. Analytically, what do you, analytically defensively, what are some stats that you kind of look at or maybe things that you look at that maybe a common fan watching the game on TV wouldn't look at, but for you, it's like a deadly stat. Like you're just watching the game a different way than maybe the rest of us are. Yeah. So good question. Let me tell you this too, Anthony. So I'll give you an example. So there was a, uh, coach, and I just saw this online today, he left Eastern Michigan and he's going to go be a defensive analyst at the University of Auburn. Okay. Right? So he's getting that Auburn um, tag on his resume that, hey, he's been at Auburn. So he's kind of positioning himself to for a bigger job later on down the road. And so that's why sometimes like he left Eastern Michigan as the defensive line coach and he's going to Auburn to be a defensive analyst working with the D-line. And so sometimes guys will do those uh, moves like that to kind of position themselves to move up the ladder. But then when you your second question, when you asked me, like analyzing games and all that. So a lot of times I'll look at, to be honest, as a football coach, I'm looking at what a particular team is doing defensively. So I'm looking at their front. I'm saying, okay, are they running? Um, they're four down, three down front. Okay, so I'm looking at that. And then I'm also looking at the coverages that they're kind of running on the back end. And so when I was watching the TCU and um, Georgia game, so I'm watching Georgia on offense. And so all the plays that they were running was was three down beaters, right? So typically um, when you're playing a three, here I go, Anthony. I'm finna <laughs> no, I love it. That's why I asked. But this is me. If I'm watching it as a coach, right, I'm sitting up yeah. there and you see a lot of perimeter plays that um, – Georgia's running versus TCU, which is good against the three down because you really don't run. You don't want to run inside versus a three down team because it's, it's tough to run because you got zero and all those guys packed right. with a three down front. So you start seeing um, Georgia run pin and pull or perimeter plays to attack three down. And then their first scoring touchdown is what we call um, uh, T arc zone read. So the tackle arc the four eye up to the back where the quarterback kept it. And they didn't have anybody for the quarterback. So I'm just looking at uh, different schemes that people are running versus uh, the particular, uh, like, offense versus defense. I'm watching what TCU is doing. Then I'm watching what Georgia is doing from a schematical standpoint to beat them and put them in the best position to be successful. And so, obviously, man, Georgia was executing at a very, very high level versus those guys. And they were running a lot of beaters um, versus TCU. I don't know if that makes sense or not, Anthony. No, it makes great sense to me. I'm just like in awe because I love this stuff. Like when I get to have a coach on here that loves talking X's and O's and really loves talking, like looking at football from a different angle, I'm just like, yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So that was great. I love it. Yeah. Um. So obviously part of that is, you know, you're building yourself, you're building your career and you're, and you're moving back and forth. What what I loved was you guys had a big bowl game this year and you, you guys had won, but I got to ask, cause I also saw this and I thought it was really funny. And I think I even wrote to you on yep. Instagram about it is, do you guys have a guy who runs out there and grabs the T like a million miles an hour, like slides and gets it and sprints back. Is that, uh, is that pretty common? Or was that just something the guy did in the bowl game? Oh, you there? 
Yeah, I'm there, man. Just having a couple technical difficulties. Oh, don't even worry. This is the power of technology, man. So we'll take a break for a second here while you get that. Don't even worry about it. Okay. Okay. All right. I got it fixed, man. I'm fully fine. There we go. There we go. See, it's it's all good. <laughs> it's pretty laid back here. Um, so good. So now we're back. So yeah, I was just saying to you, you guys have a uh I saw it in the bowl game. I don't know if it was just something for the bowl game, but a kid who runs out, grabs the T, sprints back. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the deal with that? I'm just really curious about it. You know, uh, somebody was telling me, and, you know, Anthony, I may be quoting this wrong here, but I think somebody at University of Houston used to do that back in the day. And he found he found out about it. And um, obviously he's a big part of our brand and part of our team. He, he Great kid, works hard does a lot for the program that, that a lot of people won't see. And so one day, and I think last year sometime, he just started sprinting out there and getting the tea, <laughs> and it just kind of created a little bit of buzz, and it, and it got rolling from there, man. And uh, he's got his little brand. I think he signed an NIL deal or something, man. No, really? I'm serious. I think, yeah, he partnered with somebody, and somebody's giving him like a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, I, I don't know if it's Star Pizza or – uh, what's the name of the company? But yeah, he signed with somebody uh, that's that's kind of sponsoring it. So it turned out to be a pretty cool deal, man. That is unreal. I mean, hey, you know, whatever you're going to do. I mean, it's the crazier things you hear, but it's more just those funny, quick little viral things. And then all of a sudden you're you're a superstar. <laughs> no, um, no so, you know, one thing I just, you know, ask you as a coach, obviously I'm, I'm super into the NFL draft. It's something that I look really forward to. It's always right around my birthday. My birthday was April 29th. So it's always right around that area. So for me, like going out, grabbing a few drinks, watching the draft, paying attention, seeing what teams do is interested. Anybody from Houston to keep our eyes on this year? Any players that uh, could definitely be uh, getting drafted or we see go, you know, maybe day one, yeah, day two. Sure. Sure. So, our quarterback, I'm going to tell you, man, I love, love, love our quarterback, uh, Clayton Toon. He he has my respect. Very tough kid. Um, I think he throws the ball well. He's he's very mobile. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets drafted a little late. And we probably have one of the best receivers in the country. Um, his name is Nathaniel Dell. Everybody calls him Tank. He's all about 5'8", 170 pounds. Very small, but I'm just telling you, man. Over the last couple of years, he's probably caught close to 200 balls, over 2,000 yards, and probably like over 20 touchdowns over the last two years. So, I mean, you, you can't cover the guy in the slot. So, I think Tank will probably go around the third, fourth round is what I'm okay. the receiver. And I think our quarterback may go late. And we also have a safety um, that may get drafted too. Yeah, and there's a couple other guys there that may be in the mix. Um, but, yeah, we, we had uh, some pretty good talent this year some uh, NFL prospects for sure. So how much is the NFL in the building or is it as far as soon seasons over type thing, or how quickly are you going to now start seeing scouts coming in workouts, talking about players, things like that? Yeah, man, the scouts um, during fall camp, they're around a lot. So, and they kind of periodically throughout the season, I think they hit it pretty hard during fall camp. And then the first uh, six weeks of the season or so like that, that they hit it really, really hard. And right now is um, I know those guys are finishing up the draft. As soon as they get finished with the draft, they're immediately uh, going to start on the, uh, the the next year's class. So it's kind of never stopping for those guys, for those scouts, man. They they work really hard. So they'll they'll already have a good feel of the 
the upcoming class that have already watched film. And then when they come in um, during fall camp, that's where they'll start getting the character references and talk to the strength coach, their position coach, head coach, coordinators, start gathering up all that information, see them live in person and practice and just get a really good feel for them. And they just kind of keep building from there. Yeah, it's real interesting. I had David Cole on here from Mercer. Uh, he was at Lenore Ryan when Kyle Duggar, who plays, you know, safety for the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, we coached him. I mean, we talked a lot about like teams coming in and talking to him and, you know, kind of how crazy the whole process is, like even leading up to the day of the draft itself. So I'm sure for you, when everyone thinks that football is over, this is arguably your busy, busiest season. Um, and what I find is like really interesting about you is like everywhere that you coach, your experience, obviously as a player and now bringing it to the other side you know of kind of i guess the line you would say of being a coach um to me i think there's such a value in you writing a book you know and especially a recruits playbook at the college level of you know looking for high school kids and what it is that these colleges are looking for maybe as early as eighth grade and then navigating through the high school process so you know for you to maybe have that upper hand into knowing and understanding what colleges and universities and places are looking for um, you're able to really help guide young high school kids and you know for me this is something this is our audience this is a lot of coaches our audience and to hear this and understand that and Massachusetts football is most certainly not like it is football in the South, but um, it is over the last 10 years, it's grown in the state a lot. We're starting to get some more division one athletes that are going to different schools. So um, I know that, you know, football is starting to to grow up here. I mean, again, nothing compared to down South, but um, definitely starting to make its way. So um, you wrote this book, the recruits playbook. Um, and I know obviously being in, in, in the process and have gone through it yourself, just maybe talk a little bit about how you got this going, the idea of it, where it kind of came from and, you know, really, I guess the process of writing, writing a book. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you this, Anthony, I've always, I've always wanted to write a book. Um, it first started the idea of writing a book. I had no idea what I wanted to write, but the idea started when, when I was in high school. Um, I've just always kind of been a goal oriented person. And I just always was the guy to shoot for the stars. And if you miss, you know, you're land in the sky type deal. Right. It's just always been kind of my personality. Uh, but anyway, the book, um, it kind of came up during COVID. And so I was actually with a friend's house and, and my buddy was like, um, I became pretty good friends with uh, one of the, the dads that, so I was coaching a kid at South and I, I became friends with his dad and he was a, he was a walk-on. And so we became pretty close as a, um, and I went over his house one day and we we're just talking and he said, man, somebody should, should write a book on recruiting. And for whatever reason, man, that just hit, that hit me in my gut. Yeah. And so, and I'm like, you know what, that's a really good idea. And I've always kind of wanted to write a book. And, and there's so many times, Anthony, that I've run into so many recruits and so many different families um, that have questions about the recruiting process and they didn't know this and they didn't know that, or they didn't know how certain things work and, um, like committable offers and where should I go and figuring it out. So, I mean, that's kind of where it started from. Like, I'm like, you know, it makes sense to me and it's easy for me to understand, but I don't think it's necessarily easy for the, for the high school student athletes to kind of figure it out. So, um, cause so many times, man, I, I find myself as a coach, I'm sitting there like, man, I wish in my mind, I'm knowing like, man, I wish this kid would do this. If yeah. He, to do this this one little thing don't or give you a good scenario um anthony 
man, I would not, if the kid has 10 offers on the table from University of Massachusetts, Buffalo, Ball State, some of those guys closer to where you are, uh, UConn, and they're sitting up there waiting on Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Listen, you better go ahead and commit um, to one of those 10 schools and don't sit there and wait on some of these bigger schools. You know what I mean? And I'm like sitting there in my mind, I hope this kid commits and takes an offer. And I've seen it numerous times where they'll wait. And next thing you know, they end up, scholarships fill up and they end up at Division uh, FCS or Division II school. Right. Nothing wrong with that. But I've just seen guys miss opportunities because of lack of knowledge or lack of understanding how the process works. And right. it is a process. I mean, it, there is a lot that you have to fill out as far as paperwork goes, or uh, at least in this area, you know, being a high school coach, you have to really sit with parents and making sure that kids are filling everything out, that they're keeping up their end of the bargain. And at least from around here, I mean, a lot of coaches, high school coaches don't even understand this process. So to me, this book kind of hits it at like three levels, right? Obviously the high school athlete itself, their parents and having the knowledge and understand that. And even a lot of coaches that might not be familiar with the process or don't maybe know how to properly guide their athletes too. I mean, I've coached many kids that played division three and division two, but once in a while they have those kid who's a division one player. And, yeah. you know, you really got to like know what you're doing to help recruit them in that process. Right. So that book, yeah. your book most certainly hits upon those levels um, yeah. in, in a lot of different areas. So no, this is uh this is really exciting. Like I said, nah, um, sure. something that I know you are really passionate about. I mean, that's the one thing just reading about you and even talking to you on the phone, you can tell that you're extremely uh, passionate person and so on and so forth. So, you know, I look at you as a writer and I, think of you as a coach like as far as your note taking goes and all that's concerned i mean are you pretty similar type person like are your football notes like detail like are you a big journal or are you somebody who writes a lot and are you does that translate over into kind of how you take defensive notes and how detailed you are as a coach yeah um anthony you have you definitely have to be really detailed as a coach um, i think the difference is in the details uh so i mean football is is much more complicated than what people think it is. It's not just guys going out there and hitting and all that. Um, so when you walk into a meeting with the players as a football coach, you want to have your your notes from the defensive staff meeting that you want to have down, uh, coverages, checks, adjustments, backfield sets, uh, formations, alignments. And so you have to have all those, those particular things written down uh, so you can be able to communicate that to your players. Right. Because in football, um, if you make one mistake, I mean, so if, if one defensive lineman gets out of a gap, bam, ball is 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 going right to the house. And so, like, say, for instance, in the national championship, I remember on the sideline um, and I've been there as a coach before, too, where the defensive coordinator, the reporter is like, well, we're just making a bunch of mistakes and guys are not lining up correctly and not doing their assignments. And so football is extremely detailed. If you're playing a team that's equally as matched as you are, right. then you have to be extremely detailed. You can't make a mistake. Well, you more than likely you will make a mistake, but the emphasis on um, just doing your job and the, the, the details of the game are critically important, right? If you want to be successful. So as a coach, yeah, you take that to everything that you do. And I've I've learned to do that in a lot of different things and aspects of my life of where um if I'm, you know, the way I pay my bills, the way I take take notes, I'm, I do like to journal. I listen to podcasts. And I think one thing as a coach, too, uh, or every area of my life, Anthony, I try to always continue my education. 
in a lot of different areas, not just in football. So I'm always improved and not stay the same and not stay stagnant. And I think that's kind of what happens to people. If you stay stagnant, um, then eventually you're going to get passed up, right? And that's how I think guys like uh, Nick Saban has continued success is because he's kind of evolved with the game itself. So if you first couple of years at um, Alabama, you know, Nick Saban was stop the run and, and stop the run on offense, run the ball. Well, stop the run and run the ball. Right. Play good defense, run the ball. That was Alabama. But if you've really watched those guys over the last, what, seven, eight years, they've really changed. Like, right. Like receiver. Now every receiver is going in the first yeah. round, multiple receivers. Correct. Yeah. And they're throwing the dog on ball, right? Yeah, they're yeah. being more explosive on offense. So the game has kind of changed a little bit. And so now Alabama recruits, uh, they don't recruit what's called that Sam linebacker, the outside linebacker to the field. That guy is now a defensive back, right? Back in the early 2000s, that player used to be a 240-pound, 6'3", 240-pound athletic player. Now he's like 6'1", 6'2", 185, 190. So the game constantly changes, and you have to be able to adjust and evolve with that and and you have to continue your education and growth so details in what you do is is extremely important right um how you do anything is is how you should do everything yeah no and it's i think it's really important and obviously as a coach no uh, at the high school level your details and what you look for and analytically and constant adjusting and so on is at a higher level a faster level on top of everything else that you also have to do that comes along with your job so yeah. so you know, anthony i tell you yeah, this. let me because yeah. you, so you're talking about studying like so for opponents um i'm looking every week I, when i cut on the table i'm looking for what's called a run pass tip so i'm literally studying uh, clip after clip, and I'll go through about what 400 clips, and I'm looking to see, all right, when it's a run, how does an offensive lineman line up? Does his stance change? Does his hand move? Is his is his, is his foot more pointed out? Right. And so typically coming into a game, I'm looking at that detail of all right. So if a player, if his shoulders is high, like I'm looking at an offensive tackle, if his shoulders are a little bit higher, I right, we, we is is delta meaning that it's pass, all right? If his if he's got his forearm on his leg, is run. We call it green or, or red. It's freaking run. And so that's one tip that you give players. I mean, you're looking at um, where the splits of receivers to tell you typically what routes they will run or the splits of an offensive lineman down the distance. There's so many different things, like what hash is the ball on. Um, you're looking at different ways to attack people's protections on third down. It's, yeah. So situational, you know, so first and 10, um, this is what they like to do. Second and long, this is what they like to do. Third and short, third and medium, third and long. So you literally break all those things down. So when you do that, you have to be detailed um, in in, in what you're doing. And I tell you this, too. Here I go, Anthony. No, hey, I love it. I I love it. I meant to tell you this point, too, about the book, is that everybody's situation is different, right? So – and it's not a cookie cutter thing. Not everybody's going to go to Michigan, um, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Not everybody's going to be able to go to those schools. Right, right. What if I have to go to junior college? Bro? What if I'm a non-qualifier? Um, so you have to kind of evaluate your situation. I think that's one thing that I try to really uh, 
established in the book is to teach people how to fit your situation and what you're trying to accomplish and how to get there. Also, uh, I talked about like what colleges are looking for. So there are certain measurables. If you're at Alabama and you want to play um, offensive line at Alabama, well, you better be at least 6'4", <laughs> 300 pounds, okay? You know what I mean? Them, them dudes rolling out there and they freaking big now. Yeah. So there are certain measurables. So if you're 6'1", that's not to say that you can't play college football, but it's going to be extremely difficult to get on Alabama's radar. So you kind of have to learn how to evaluate your particular situation, mm -hmm. right? And then find the best fit for you. If that makes sense. So no, it makes perfect sense because I think there's the the idea of wanting to play at a big school like that, wanting to play at a power five versus is that a right. reality? I mean, you talk about the national championship, you're watching Georgia rotating defensive linemen like that's a hockey line change, like and they're all four <laughs> and five star guys that are coming in sophomore, freshman, and it's just it's almost unfair. Like it's just almost unfair yeah. in a lot of ways. But hitting upon what you're saying, it's you know, those schools sound great and on paper but there's someone who's just as good as you, just as big as you, just as strong as you, just as quick as you like, you know, so sometimes those situations aren't great. So you mentioned, you talk about in your book, like when do you kind of, or how do you kind of identify saying, am I a power five guy outside of not being a power five guy? And then how do you navigate from there as far as, okay, if I'm not a power five guy, how, what am I looking yeah. for? And again, everyone's situation is different. Like you said. Yeah. So in the book, I talked about different ways how you can kind of get yourself recruited. Um, and, and to be honest with you, it's pretty, it's really easy. If you're a power five guy, um, it's, it's really easy because the school's really going to come find you. And if you have the measurables, if your film is good, your grades check out, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty easy. Where it gets a little great is that, that next tier of players. So if you're what's called a group of five players, um, like Massachusetts, UConn, Ball State, Toledo, Buffalo, um, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, LaTeX, all those guys. If you're you're getting a lot of those offers, but then a lot of those kids are like, well, I want to go play Power Five, but you right. get an inch or two smaller or whatever the case may be. There may be, I'm not as quite as fast or whatever. So you really, um, if you're sending your film out to coaches, right? And that's one thing I talk about in the book, Twitter page, getting it all lined up, sending your stuff out to different people and the feedback that you're getting back from coaches. Um, if you're not getting the attention that you're looking for, then you kind of need to adjust from there. Okay. Like if, if um, Ryan day and Nick Saban, if, if those guys aren't co constantly reaching out to you, then you need to kind of adjust a little bit. Right. Hey, I, I mean, I like really pretty women, but if you're sitting up there talking to, uh, this model, if she ain't giving you any attention, well, I mean, <laughs> right, <laughs> kind of so, yeah. switch it up a little <laughs> bit, man. You know, you, hey, you may not be able to get the six one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> beautiful lady. So, hey, let me kind of adjust. <laughs> if she ain't paying you any attention, right, right. Well, that's it. She ain't looking, man. What's the point? What's the point? You know. And I think that that's important because you know. I, I've always had uh, as a high school coach, I've always noticed sometimes like setting reality with kids, you know, kids wanting to play college football at that next level, but right. maybe not understanding sometimes the commitment and maybe knowing like your why, right? Like why are you, why do you even want to play? Like, what is the, why are you going there? What's the reason for it? What are you looking to get out of it the most? Um, 
what would you say to like parents and coaches? Cause your, your book is like that nine to 12 guide. So maybe mm-hmm. seventh and eighth grade, you're noticing that your kid is just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster than everybody else. They're working out, they're doing, you know, seven on seven camps or whatever else that's available out there. They're playing football year round or spring ball, depending on where you live. You know, what are you advising those parents when they get into high school, maybe some of the first things they should start doing if their kid does become, you know, serious at playing at that next level at an extremely high level? Well, uh, number one is academics, making sure that you're taking care of your grades, all of that. Um, and, and then the second thing I would advise parents um, is to, you know, exposure, I think, helps kids. So take them to different camps or during the summer, especially taking them to different camps um, and, and working with different coaches and getting a good feel for that. I think exposure is good. And then I think um, multiple sports are, are good too. So I think that kids should play football, basketball, track, get your body used to, to, to doing a lot of different things. It's great. Such a complex sport itself that it, it, it actually, the more muscle memory you have in different areas, I think helps you to become a, a good football player because your ability to adjust to different things, hand-eye coordination um, is, is critical in football as you continue, continue to grow, I, I think is important. Um, Would you say for recruiting purposes, like as far as you being a college coach, how valuable in the programs that you've been a part of, of recruiting someone who's just maybe a football player year round and that's it versus someone who's a multiple sport athlete in high school and, you know, football man, ends up being their sport. I, I really do think um, we, we have a, uh, a defensive tackle here now at the University of Houston that I think that could could probably be an NFL player in the next couple of years. And he played running back in high school, right? And him playing running back in high school, now he's playing defensive line, which is like polar opposites. Right, right. But you can just kind of tell that because he played running back a different position, it's helped him with his athleticism and his quickness, his feet, all that. And so to, to answer your question, I think coaches love to see that guys are playing multiple sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Just because it's different sports require different um, mechanics, so to speak, right? And so it, it also helps an individual to be able to adjust because sometimes, you know, you're not just as a running back, you're not just catching a handoff. Sometimes you have to run down a kickoff, you have to play this different special team or we got to ask you to run this particular route. And so I think other sports kind of translate into football a little bit. And also it's just the adjustment piece of it, right? You have to be able to adjust a little bit of football and be able to think on the fly. And sometimes coaches ask players to do those things. And the guys that seems like they play baseball, track, uh, all these other different sports have the ability to maybe tap into something that they played in a different sport and okay, I remember that. And they can kind of functionally move their body the correct way and be able to adjust to it. If, if that makes sense. And, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think like, I always kind of say that, like I look at it from like a leadership perspective so much too, as well. Like 
being in competitive situations, being maybe not the leader on one team, but in another sport, you are the guy, you are the leader, you are the person who's like leading. But like you said, playing lacrosse and having hand-eye coordination and playing basketball and have the ability to jump and ju- adjust your body and change directions. All of that footwork and all of that muscle memory is great for football. If a running back who's getting hit is able to keep their balance a little bit more and get those few extra yards because they do yeah. have that tippy-toe ability because they did play other sports in ways. And I tell you, this too, Anthony. The other thing I think for parents is um, the kids have to love it more than you. You can't love it more than the kid loves it, right? So it's, it's it has to be a conscious, a con, a cognitive ability within that particular player to take ownership of their path and put it on another level. They have to work for it. You know, you're to me, you're a support in helping them and, and giving them what they need. But they have to take those tools and, and run with it, so to speak, because if you give everything to to a kid and we see this at the college level, uh, if you give everything to the kid and and they're not used to working for it, um, then maybe coaches and parents. If they're not used to working for it, then when they get up to the college level, we're like, you got to work for it. We're not just right. Right. Bye. You know, you better come here humble and ready to work because once you get to to the to the college level, it does not matter what your star level is. We don't care what your where you ranked coming out of high school. We don't care about stars. We don't care about uh, if you're the the top guy in your high school. Don't nobody care about none of that. When you come to college, it's a blank slate, and let's get ready to work. Yeah. So let me ask you that being on the other side of it. So obviously here you are guiding that like high school athlete to that next level as a college coach, who's been at a bunch of different programs and now, you know, at, especially at a solid division one program, what is it that you're looking for outside of obviously the talent, the statistics, the touchdowns, who you were as a high school athlete, but when they come on campus visits, so you're trying to get them, understand them a little bit more as people, what are things that you look for as a coach that makes you maybe understand who would fit well or wouldn't, or, you know, just something that maybe is a little different off the radar than just the football aspect stuff. Yeah. Um, I know coaches are looking for the right fit. When you say the right fit, um, you, like when you're recruiting kids to Houston, because it's such a huge city, uh, you're going to have to to have kids that's mature. So you want to look for maturity. Uh, will he be able to handle everything that's going on around in the city? Because, uh, once you get to college, we're not going to hold your hand 24-7. You know, obviously, as coaches, it's our jobs to help you mature as a man, and we accept their responsibility. However, players um, within the city, you really have to evaluate the maturity level. Um, if also, you got to evaluate uh, their toughness level. And when you say toughness, is their, their ability to – because college football is demanding and it's hard. Right. So – when, when you're on practice eight or nine in, in fall camp and you got 15 more practices left, okay, it gets really difficult. Your body's tired, and then you're just coming from summer workouts. I mean, spring ball, football is almost nonstop. And so it's football in your face 24-7 for college football athletes, and it's a very demanding uh, – it's a very demanding I, – I might as well call it a job, Anthony, because yeah. it's very demanding. And um, people see the glitz and the glamour. But if, if you don't love college football, um, it, it can it can get to you a little bit. And so I think it's critically uh, important 
that when we bring guys on campus that we kind of evaluate their mindset a little bit. Like, uh, are you going to be mature enough to handle this? Uh, are you tough enough for the practices? Can you do schoolwork? Can you be able to be mature enough to balance everything that you're going to have to balance? So you got girls, parties, uh, football, academics, girls, parties. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's just it. You know, hey, I always tell guys, man, have a good time, but do you got to be able to take care of your business? So, yeah, you got to be able to evaluate <laughs> if guys are mature enough to to handle all of what's going on in Houston. I don't think Anthony. I don't think people sleep here. I really don't. Yeah, just nonstop. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I just feel like your job. How do you like? I, I, the biggest reason I started this podcast, like you said, kind of thinking of all your ideas. Everything was during the pandemic when you're just sitting around and you're like, "What else mm. can I do? Or something I can get into?" Because you couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And for me, it was always this podcast was all about showing off a high school, you know, coach's life and what they do and how busy they are, especially in football. But we cover other sports too. But you know, I'm a big football guy, so sometimes we have a little bit more football stuff on here. But that lifestyle is tough. And as you grow in that division three, division two, division one, the expectations, it's nonstop. And, you know, the season's over and everyone just thinks that your, your job's over, but your job is just getting started. Like it's mm -hmm. holidays and then it's okay. Now we're on the recruiting trail. We're looking at these kids. We're watching film. We're already assessing what our maybe potential starting lineup is. We're looking at spring practices. Like there's so much more that you're doing. Talk about, being able to then write a book during this process, because you're kind of nonstop. I mean, being a college football yeah. coach at a high level, it is a full-time job. So talk about balancing, being able to write this book, what it meant to you to be able maybe to accomplish both of these and what it's done for you since then a little bit. Yeah. Um, so writing the book, first off, it was an awesome accomplishment. And yeah, it was very difficult um, because I was finishing up the book so I got a lot of it done during the pandemic, which I had a little bit more time. We couldn't go on the road recruiting, couldn't go into the office. So I had a lot more time to actually work on the book. So I got a good bulk of it done um, during the, the pandemic time, right? But then um, when I transitioned to Houston from South Alabama, that's where um, it, it, was, it became really challenging to, to finish the book. And I know I just had um, maybe a day or two off from Houston. And I took about 12 to 14 hours straight where literally I'm on the laptop and typing and retyping some things and editing and uh, finishing up the book. It, it, it was a, it's more of a grueling process, Anthony, than you think. Yeah. Right. Because you send, you send something to the editor and they're like, um, you're sending that like 40,000 words and I'm thinking I'm good. And they're like, well, we need to get to 80,000. <laughs> what? Yeah, I just killed it. Here. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to get to 80,000 words. But, man, it meant so much. Uh, it, it meant a lot to me uh, just because my path and how I got to where I am, Anthony, is kind of what motivated me, too. So I was a non-qualifier uh, out of high school, and I didn't take care of my grades. Um, I had to go to the junior college route. I don't know if a lot – I put this in my book, and I don't know – a lot of people know this, but I was a half scholarship guy to go to junior college. Like, God dang, you talking about a, a kick, yeah. man? Like, I can't even get a full ride to junior college. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, you talking about a hurt in your pride. Anyway, so here I am, half scholarship, working my way to a full scholarship. Um, again, even at the junior college level, um, was frustrated that I couldn't get the bigger offer. 
because like I felt like, man, I want to go to one of these, I want to go to Florida, one of these big schools. And I can and I couldn't get that. I had to go to Central Arkansas, right? And so all those things kind of are compiled in that book. And then as becoming becoming a coach, um, I'm, I'm starting to realize, man, everybody's path is unique. And so I kind of wanted to put that in the book to kind of encourage uh, young men that's going through the recruiting process and encourage them that everybody's path is a little bit different. And just because Nick Saban ain't calling you, you still can be successful and you still can achieve what you want to achieve and get to where you want to get to in life. Success looks different to a lot of different people. And, you know, in the social media world that we live in now, everybody wants to compare and contrast and look at somebody else's path. Dude, focus on you, um, be the best that you can be and, um, and, and be positive, love your brother, work hard. And a lot of times, more times than not, things to turn out the way that they need to. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what's amazing too, is just like, you have a presence about you, right? Like you, you, you speak very well, you smile, you laugh, like you're very laid back. I mean, especially being on a staff and in the whole recruiting process itself. I mean, that is a really important piece is that someone who sits down and is talking to these athletes and, you know, in a sense, recruiting them, that there has to be that sense of like, yeah, you're here to play ball, but we're also here to take care of you. We're here to take care of you from, you know, like a weird, like parents to you perspective to making sure that you're keeping up with your grades, making sure you're growing as a person, making sure that you're taking care of your responsibilities. Like you said, it's a full-time job on being a full-time student. And for you, it's a full-time job on top of another full-time job, right? So yes. um, it's, it's even crazier. So um, what I found interesting and in just doing a little bit more homework as well is you know, your, your current book or that we're kind of talking about here, The Recruits Playbook, is you know that that guide of like the levels and the steps it takes to get to that next level what you need to think about or what you need to start putting together to do so but you also have a book that you've been working on that is is titled four to 40 and i'm just going right. to read, read the little blurb here because i thought it was really cool uh yeah. the book is going to talk about while you are in college what you need to do to dominate both on and off the field and become a well-rounded person in college you need to start becoming a professional in a way to handle yourself in the classroom talking to coaches and just the ability to grow as a football player. Those four years of your life is what's going to set you up for your next 40, hence the name 4 to 40. Um, yeah. You write a book, obviously cool process. Like you said, grueling at times can be really difficult. When does this idea now pop up into your head saying, hey, I want to write another book? And, and, and I'll, side question it is, how much does it connect to the previous book that you read? Uh, that you Yeah, read? Um, so 4 to 40, it, you know, what kind of motivated me to do that is college football is kind of changing a little bit, right? So the NIL doesn't, you know, the first book was really for um, high school student athletes. And this second book is for guys that's actually in college, right? And what really motivated me to do it is because I'm seeing so many guys that um, are only just football players. And one thing that I noticed as a coach is guys have so much I can see guys are so much more talented or have a lot of talent other than just playing football. And I don't think that they realize that. And so what motivates me is I want to try to open up um, guys to, to be more than just football players and be a well-rounded person. Like you need to learn how to um, be, you need to learn the urgency behind, okay, if you want to be a football player, I lay out, Hey, this is what you need to do in college to be a football player. Also here it's time to start thinking about finances. Right. Because at some point when you yeah. college, 
Like you have to start like your mom and dad don't want to pay your cell phone bill and your car insurance your entire life. Right. So those things are coming down the pipe and where I'm going to get money from, how I'm going to get a job. You know, it's only 1% of players in college that go on to play, um, they go on to play in the NFL. So 99%. How crazy is that? That's a yeah. legit stat. 1%. That's, in, yes. that's incredible. It, it may be 1.5, but it's literally like 1%. Wow. That they go on to play in the NFL. Okay. And so now what, what do I need to do if I don't play in the NFL? Right. So I'm kind of talk, trying to get those guys to open up their mind a little bit. And when I say learn how to become a professional, uh, you, you have to learn how to start talking to people um, and, and pre presenting yourself different, right? And that you're more than just a football player. And so I, I'm passionate about that because once I got done playing, I was like, what in the freak do I do? I don't yeah. need uh, uh, to get a resume, you know? Right, and right. Thank, thank God my wife helped me through it because she's an English teacher. But Anthony, I'm sitting up here like, how do I interview? How do I get a resume? What do I send my resume? And um, all these different things that, you know, I had to figure out on my own. And so now I'm trying to put that that all into a book. And then I'm also going to talk a lot about the NIL stuff, right? Because yeah. that's become a big thing in college football now, the NIL and the transfer portal. So I want to put that in 40 to 40 because that's going to apply to a lot of um, uh, college players as well. So I just want to to put something else out there uh, to, to help young men develop and become the people that they need to become and give them the tools, right? Because I really wish somebody would have told me, right? Especially, you know, from a financial standpoint, uh, learning how to, to, to excel off the field and on the field, just becoming a really well-rounded person to, to make that transition um, from college to real life, because it is coming. You, you only have that short period of time in college uh, to, to set a foundation for yourself. Typically, you'll probably end up finding a, a young lady to marry in college. You'll have your best friends there. So that foundation is really going to uh, set, set you up for those next 40 years of your life. Yeah, and it's amazing, you know, because you nowadays, especially watching sports, any college, you know, football, professional football, a lot of the analysts are former players or former GMs or former coaches, people that are really involved in the game. So being able to set yourself up, like especially in college now, like you said, the NIL deals like that is that's going to change even more so over the next five years of, of what's right. going to be happening and how many people are going to be out there and what you are on Instagram and how many follows you have and who you are on Twitter and all of that. So absolutely TikTok and everything. And that must change. That must be like a whole different aspect for you guys, because even now in, in, in the high school kids, you're probably seeing those kids putting themselves out there and marketing themselves as well as high school athletes. And that's a whole different thing to monitor as far as evaluation, I'm sure of mm -hmm. who's coming in and being like, is this the type of player that we want, you know, and so on and so forth. That's a whole different, like, subject for you guys now to study as as all-around athletes of what you want in your program yeah you know i think you know um with with the nil stuff i think what's important is and one thing that i'm going to talk about in the book like i'm no financial guru by any stretch of the imagination but say for instance if all right so if i if i sign an nil deal for eighty thousand dollars what am i going to do with the eighty thousand mm -hmm. dollars what account do i put that in you know, and so I want guys to start thinking a little different about money is how can I say, for instance, if I'm in college and I have, you know, I signed an NIL deal for 80 grand, whatever the case may be. OK, so I can put 
40 grand down on the house and have roommates come live in with me and they pay me rent and pay the house. And then in four years time, I turn around and sell the house and I double my money or something like that. Right, Anthony? Yeah. yeah. Kind of putting different ideas in guys' mind like that, for instance, that can help them um, just become a more well-rounded person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so now, okay, you, you put this out there, let's say the recruits playbook, and then this book is going to drop. What's your process after like you drop your book, right? Like, are you doing like mini tours? Are you doing a lot of zooms? Are you doing podcasts? Are you like, how are you then promoting it? Like, I know your stuff's on Amazon and everything else, but you know, how are you then that process as well? Because obviously you want to get that product out there. I know you and I interacted about your book. I read it and I said to you when you, you first came on, I was like, I wonder if this is real. Like this guy is pretty legit. Like I looked him up. I'm like, it's great that like, you know, he reached out to me and you know, and the more I researched, it was like, yes, a million percent. Like there's just so much we can talk about here, but I mean, talk, I guess just talk about that all a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, so first off, Anthony, just being um, honest with you, I need to do a lot better job of getting on podcasts with individuals like yourself, talking about the book, kind of promoting it. And then I need to get my social media presence going too. But just social media, um, trying to uh, get bulk orders, people that I know that are that want to give back and make donations, get with them, get some bulk orders, send them out to schools. Just and I've also uh, handwritten some books, or I'm sorry, signed some books and sent them out to people. So just podcasts, bulk orders, social media, just trying to do it organically that way. Yeah, you know, and any advice I give you on social media, I didn't have social media two years ago until I really this podcast started taking off. And then it was getting an Instagram page and really learning that is what I found is like I've always just made sure that I have content posted on my page, right? I want people to see me. And it's not always just going to be the beyond stuff and the high school stuff. It's going to be stuff with my kids or funny things that are going on or something that I see on Instagram that I like to post. Like, what my page to me was always important about content that people could see who I was as a person that, yep, I did this, but I also am a teacher. I'm also a devoted dad. I'm also a devoted husband. I also like hanging out with friends and going to fun places and being able to show that off. So my biggest piece of advice to you, let people see who you are, like talking to you yes, on the sir. phone and obviously talking to you here. Like I totally understand the type of guy you are. Let people see the genuineness, let people see the value that you have and just always be active on your social media. Like just, that'd be my biggest piece. Put something on your story. Even if it's you and your wife, just going out to dinner somewhere nice, just put it out there. Let people see that's the type of guy you are. And so your story always has something and is active for people to follow because that's. Thanks. I I appreciate that, Anthony. Yeah. You know, that's my advice. I, you know, I'm no expert. Like I said, two years um, for me, but um, you know, I found that I got a lot of followers just for people seeing me all around. So um, love that. So tell people, where can we get the book? Where, where, where we best find it. Um, And maybe when we might see that four to 40 kind of with a process that that's in as well. Yeah. So the recruits playbook, um, you can get it, get it online, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, any uh, major uh, online store. Uh, You can also order the ebook. So if you got an iPhone, just pull up book books on your app and then type in the recruits playbook, but it's really easily accessible. I think the easiest way is obviously Amazon, but that's the easy way to, to, to get it. And then um, it's, it's in regards to four to 40, uh, I want to get that one done uh, sometime this year. And hopefully by the end of this year, I can have that completed and um, also have that put out there as well. Start- Great. 
I love it. I love it. And the last question that I want to ask you, just because I just find you so interested and I'm just curious kind of your next steps. I mean, college football life, coaching, author, um, really devoted to the game. What is your biggest goal as a coach? I mean, what's the level that you ideally maybe want to see yourself get at, whether that's a power five school, uh, head coach, coordinator, certain position? I mean, what's the pinnacle for you? Man, um, it's a so good, great question, Anthony. I want to just for me, like I said, I've always shot high. That's just been me and my personality, and um, I embrace that. So I I want to become a defensive coordinator. I want to become head coach, and I want to win a lot of ball games and um, you know get to the highest level. You know why not? Yeah, I want to do that. That's just always been a goal of mine. And um, I'm passionate about that. Uh, I've, I've put in a lot of time to put myself in a position to do that. And I'm going to continue to do that um, and just kind of keep working myself up the ladder to where I can put myself in a position, be a D coordinator, head coach at a power five school and um, hopefully freaking win a national championship. You may call me crazy, but that's just kind of my goal and kind of shoot for the stars, man. And hopefully, I, I land uh, in the sky, you know? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, I have no doubt about it. I mean, as I said, I just think it's amazing. Like when I started this podcast, the one thing I realized and I said, and I heard you kind of say this about your book is that there's nothing out there for it. There's nothing out there for it. And in this area, yes, there's sports coverage and the sports coverage is great. But when you're those higher echelon teams or those teams that are consistent, there's only so much coverage that's there. So being able to high- highlight coaches at different programs that play in tough conferences or play in programs that maybe don't have the equipment or the numbers or whatever to be able to compete with those higher echelon teams, it's great to be able to show that off because there's nothing else there for that right and for you you're looking at this as saying man i wish i knew this somebody else is saying i wish i knew this somebody else is saying i wish i knew this and then all of a sudden it's kind of like well i i do know this like i i do know this now so being able to help out at that level well is really great so yeah when you know when four to 40 comes out like love to have you back on (laughs) love to have you pitch it um you know and if you're ever looking for high school athletes up in this area uh most certainly reach out we we definitely we highlight a lot of kids a lot of football players on our Instagram page and Twitter page sending us highlights, you know, you know, mixes and everything else. So it's a lot of fun. We appreciate uh, all that from them. So we can be a resource for you as well. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, without, you know, without further ado, I just want to say thanks again for coming on to be on podcast. We're grateful to have college coaches on here, guys. I mean, I know the grind. I understand the grinds and it is a full-time job and you're probably just as busy right now as you were when the season was going and you might have a little lull time and then it's on the recruiting trail and spring practices and evaluating talent and looking at opening day and everything else. So um, I I totally get it. So we appreciate you coming on and we appreciate you uh, dropping knowledge and really what a lot of high school kids should know or maybe don't know at this point and how to get started um and again we'll put it on our social media page the book everything about it um and where, where people can find it yeah anthony yeah you're great your podcast is awesome uh man you do a great job it's very cool very laid back and i, I just appreciate you having me on man and uh, you do a great job so thank you thank you and i can see why you you have a lot of followers and i can see why your podcast is, is very successful. So, man, I appreciate you, and I'm thankful that you, you had me on. Beyond Thank you. It is un, unbelievable. 
Yeah. Hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> the plug there. And yeah. yeah, we'll talk out. I'll have to get your address. We'll send you down uh, like a winter hat oh, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So cool. get it down there. Get it down south. We'll get us. We'll get us in all different states now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome yeah. Stuff. All right. Well, I appreciate you. And again, from Beyond Podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, Larry Hart, University of Houston. Till next time.